0: Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know?
1: You're listening to episode 170, Son of Man, The Name. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. And welcome once again to Bible Mysteries podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell.
2: I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know.
1: And we are back with a whole new episode, John, that we're going to dive into in a little bit here, and we're going to talk about the Son of Man. That's a that's a phrase that's used a lot in the Bible about Jesus Christ, and I don't yeah. think most people even really understand what it relates to. So we'll dive into that shortly. But uh, have you heard that expression, the Son of Man?
2: I have, and, and I have to always keep in mind, because really there's two expressions in the Bible. One is Son of Man, and then Sons, I think plural, of God, right, which right. refers to the angelic beings. True. You have the angelic beings, and then you have the Son of Man, which refers to a human-born Messiah, correct?
1: Right. And what's interesting is um, both terms, it's interesting you brought up sons of God, because both terms have more than one application. Huh. So we've got sons of God, like since you brought that up, you know, uh, that can refer to the fallen angels.
2: Yeah. Or angels
1: what, in general.
2: But most commonly the fallen angels, right? Yeah, usually when we talk, like Genesis yeah, 6, yeah. the sons of God took yeah, the daughters of men. Yeah.
1: And that's strict, strictly referring to the ones that rebelled, the, the angels that sinned. Mm-hmm. You know? But then we are sons of God as children that have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Sure. So okay. if you wanted a single defining characteristic of the term, it would be created. Because you and I weren't created, we were born, but the moment we become a child of God, we are a new creature.
2: Okay, so hold on. you got to back up there a little bit. We weren't created?
1: No. Adam was we created. Born. You were born.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. I guess I never put it in that perspective before.
1: Right. So yeah. it's kind of like when we read in the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. Well, men aren't created at all. Yeah. We were created.
2: The original man yeah, was, was created. Yeah, was created, and woman. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, but everyone since then has been born. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we are a new creature in Christ, though, so we become children of God by adoption. Okay. And therefore, sons of God applies to us, and then the only begotten son of God is, of course, Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. Well, son of man is a term that Jesus Christ uses of himself, but it's also used in general, like the the son of man could be referring to a human being. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a son of man, you know, what is, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that you should, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So it could be used in a very generic sense about humanity.
2: Sure, but when you're reading the Bible, if it's capitalized, it's yeah. speaking to the Jesus The son of man, yeah. it's a title. So we're yeah. going to
1: dive into that part today. This will be a two-part series. <laughs> okay. And we're going to talk about the son of man's name first today, and then, Lord willing, next time we're going to talk about the sign of the son of man. The sign, okay. Yeah, there's a sign of the Son of Man that, uh, once again, our dear friend Ryan Peterson brought up in, in a passage that we were discussing with his interview. And he threw an idea about that that I had to go, whoa, i got to go look into that. Hmm. And I did, so I did some study on that. So we'll dive right in if you want to and talk about the Son of Man today. But I guess first, we should certainly welcome our newest
2: seekers. We should welcome and thank them. So this episode is brought to us by our premium subscribers, or what we call our seekers. They are Andrea C., Daniel R., Lisa G., Stephanie C., and William C., all of which came to us in July of this past year. Thank you all very much for your support of the ministry.
1: Absolutely. We appreciate everybody. And if I, don't, if I recall correctly, after this list of seekers, we're going to get into August finally from last year. Okay. So we'll be wrapping up July with this group, but we appreciate all of you that subscribe. You help support us. You help us to create better content. We've even, we're even trying an improvement with our microphones today. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. the
2: audio is much clearer. And-
1: right. We, we took note of some people that were asking that we not pan it left and right. So we're doing an attempt to make sure we can put it in mono. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all about placement. <laughs>
2: it's all about placement and improvement, right? <laughs> we're and constantly trying feedback. to
1: improve. Yeah, and yeah. We, we do take your feedback. You know, we we may not always agree with people's statements or comments on YouTube or or their questions or whatever, but we appreciate hearing from you because our aim is always to uh, pursue the truth. Whether we're trying to make a yeah. truer quality prod uh, bod, podcast, I can't even say the word, yeah. or uh, correcting doctrine that we may have miss miss. Uh, Sure, misunderstood, and of course, as events unfold and we learn what's happening in the world today, we try to look at it through the lens of scripture, and we might not get the facts right the first time. Definitely. You know, so it's always a matter of constantly staying vigilant to pursue and seek the truth.
2: Yeah, we're trying to put out a better podcast every time, mm-hmm. and one thing I wanted to mention is the the folks that are. Subscribers or seekers, that money is being used to put out a better quality product, better equipment, um, so that we can reach more people. It's a ministry. It right? is. It's not a. This isn't a money making. Or at least I haven't made any money. <laughs> no, I'm just saying this is not a money making. Proposition. This is about reaching people. It really is. There
1: nobody unless you're like Joe Rogan, nobody gets rich doing podcasts. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, nobody really makes any money. And and in fact I, I don't since we're a nonprofit, we're not trying to gain a level of whatever. Yeah. You know, we have to spend what we have. So by very nature of a nonprofit, we're we're not wanting to carry over a balance every year. Our, yeah, our aim is yeah. to spend the resources that we have, and in fact, uh, this year we we noticed that. Uh, well, actually, we noticed it last year. In fact, with the episode of Ryan Peterson, uh, we had a glitch in the in the video. The audio was fine, but the video became a yeah, problem for yeah. us. So we could not produce that video, and it had to do with the particular computer. Processor not being powerful enough, so this year we're planning to buy another computer. There you go for Get, the ministry. Getting that, better. That gives us a better processor and a better experience for video. Yeah. So uh, again, we as we see a need, we pursue it, and we we thank you for helping us with that. And by the way, um, those that maybe don't subscribe but they just want to donate, you can do that as well. And we've updated our Bible Mysteries podcast website to reflect that there's a donate button that you can click on. Okay,
2: so you can go to BibleMysteriesPodcast.com dot com to donate. As well as utbnow.com to donate. Exactly. Okay. And, and in fact,
1: the Bible Mysteries Podcast.com, when you click donate, it will take you to the giving section of utbnow. Okay. Because it's already set up for people to give and make donations. Whether it's one time, weekly, monthly, annually, it doesn't matter. Whatever you give is appreciated and whatever the Lord lays upon your heart. We do our best to provide as much free content as we can, and almost all of our content is free, but we. In appreciation for those that do give and support us with the podcast subscription, we do provide some bonus content. Mm -hmm. And that's the ad free content, it's the uh, full interview. Videos and audios when we do those. Uh, It's our newsletter. And incidentally, uh, if you have never connected your account to take advantage of the newsletter, make sure you do so. Also, if you're not getting them, check your spam folder because sometimes it can come to you and it goes right to your junk mail. And another thing that Sandy, our producer, does is she sends out weekly updates to everybody that's ever. Send us an email uh, for for whatever reason, whether it was a contact a subscriber or they wanted to cancel you 'll still get those weekly updates because we 're assuming that though you may not want to continue to fund the ministry through a premium subscription, you might still listen to the podcast, so we want to keep you abreast on what 's going yeah. on. You can opt out at any time you can say unsubscribe but we 're not reaching out to you to bother you we 're only reaching out to you to keep you up to date on the things that are going on one of those which includes our new monthly live Q&A which we're going to start yeah. on the 25th of this month so it should be just next week after this okay or the coming week so let's dive into the son of man john with all that as a let's background. do it
2: want to learn about this
1: because the term the son of man is actually used to refer to the prophet ezekiel 93 times hmm okay. 93 times in the in the old testament and it was used one time to refer to daniel Only one time, but it's also presented in the book of Daniel as the name for the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, or a prophecy of his coming. Okay. So we're going to find out that that's really where Jesus Christ refers to when he starts to call himself the Son of Man. He's linking everything back to that prophecy in Daniel. But the type of Ezekiel, we're going to explore in detail. We're going to start with that one because Ezekiel was just a man, and he was a prophet of God, but there are so many pictures of him as the Son of Man, being called the Son of Man 93 times. And hmm. uh, we're going to see that we can see the parallels between him as a prophet of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who was also God's prophet, in addition to being King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and the Savior.
2: So when you're reading the, the Old Testament, and it, says, and it refers to the Son of Man, with the exception of the one time that it refers to Daniel... It's referring to Ezekiel, correct? With the exception, one other exception is in Daniel that's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: That's right. That... We're, we're going to see that he literally calls him out when he says to the prophet, instead of saying, Hey, John, can you do this for me? He says, Hey, son of man, can you do this for me? Okay. Son of man, go to the children of Israel.
2: So each time, so that's in the Old Testament. In, in the, the New book of Ezekiel Ezekiel only, In the New Testament son of man capitalized is always referring to Jesus Christ. That's right. And okay. it's
1: then it becomes the title of the son of man. Okay. And it is used 87 times in the New Testament.
2: Okay.
1: Once in the book of Acts, twice in the book of Revelation, and 84 times Jesus Christ himself referred to himself. As the Son of Man, and I broke down thirty time, thirty two times in Matthew, fifteen times in Mark, twenty five times in Luke, and twelve times in John. So we want to dive into hmm. what is the meaning of the Son of Man, and why is it also a title of Jesus Christ in addition to just being a reference to describe a human being? You know, I could yeah. say, you know, John's yeah. son is a Son of Man. Yeah. My son is a Son of Man. Yeah, All right. So it's it's applicable in more than one way. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to start with its first usage in the New Testament by Jesus Christ of himself. And we find that in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, where we read, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, meaning around him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side, other side of a lake, or a sea, the sea of Galilee. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes. And the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Meaning, hey, I don't even have a house. I don't have a bed to sleep in. You're going to follow me? So
2: he's warning him. He's saying, hey, yeah. you want to follow me? I'm kind of like... You better be ready to give up. <laughs> I don't have a home.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, But what's interesting to note is that this first time Jesus used the term Son of Man to refer to himself, he was speaking to a scribe. Now, what is a scribe, Right that's somebody that pens the, the the scriptures yeah copies them down as
2: someone else is speaking they're writing correct correct okay. and in
1: fact Paul would use a scribe to yeah. transcribe his letters you know, to write his letters verbally put it onto paper you know but uh, they also were the ones that meticulously counted every word of the Hebrew scriptures and made copies of them and if they made a mistake they had to throw the whole book away you know, the, the whole chapter or whatever. You know, so they, uh, so okay. the idea is the scribes were counters. They were skilled at calligraphy or penmanship or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that. And they would be, this man that said that to Jesus, would be familiar with the term from the book of Ezekiel and Daniel. He would have heard it and seen it hundreds of times, hmm. knowing he was a scribe.
2: These are pretty educated guys. Yeah, not just some chump that wrote stuff down while another guy's talking.
1: Right, and so <laughs> I just—that's
2: kind of how I thought about it. It's just like a, like you could just have some any old guy that you know, <laughs> basic education. It sounds like these people were kind of scholars.
1: Well, especially when you consider that you didn't have public education back then. You yeah, I guess be, I'm
2: trying to put it in layman's or modern relative, terms. Re, modern terms. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: or Western thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, you had to be wealthy to be educated mm-hmm. or you had to have some access to it, resources or something. Yeah. So the rank and file people didn't, I mean, they knew how to speak and they probably knew how to count for commerce, but that was about the, the limit of most education. Yeah. You know, basically scribes and Pharisees did the reading of the law in the synagogue and stuff and, and you couldn't read. You, you had to just trust that what they were wow. saying was true.
2: You know? So this is the equivalent of a, like a modern day attorney. Almost. Yeah. And they were
1: called lawyers in the Bible. Really? Okay. Exactly right. So anyway, I just noted how interesting it was that he first uses that term to a scribe who would have known what the term Son of Man meant. Okay. And where it came from. So let's go look at that scripture in Daniel where we see the defining verse of the Son of Man being portrayed as the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find that in Daniel chapter 7. Now, Daniel 7 contains a dream that Daniel had about four kingdoms, and we know that had to do with the earthly kingdoms of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Okay. And then ultimately, the Roman Empire is reemerging today to be the the kingdom of the beast. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's the fourth empire that will be destroyed by a fifth kingdom that comes and it comes from heaven and that fifth kingdom is established on the earth and it will last forever after it destroys the other four kingdoms and this kingdom it is said is being given to a person called the son of man
2: so that would then be the millennial kingdom exactly right, okay. right. exactly Am I right jumping ahead no you're okay.
1: you're you're giving getting us right into the context okay so let's start in verse 9 here's the dream daniel is explaining what he re- what what he dreamed i beheld till the thrones were cast down of the four kingdoms and the ancient of days did sit, ancient is a capital A, Yeah. whose garment was white as snow and the hairs of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And so we are he's being drawn to the very future of the end, you know, where the judgment is and the books are opened. The Revelation 21, yeah. you know. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. And the horn he was referring to earlier in the dream was this horn that boasted, and it's a picture of the Antichrist. He claims hmm. to be God. He boasts himself to be like the Most High, you know. So So
2: he, so the Antichrist is now speaking. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake.
1: Well, it's actually Daniel speaking. Okay, I beheld then, and he's but he's telling us the dream. Okay, and in the dream he saw the horn speak great words. Okay, and they were great swelling words, and it's the words of uh, when when Paul said he's going to claim to be God in the temple of God. Okay, it is literally the abomination of desolation Jesus refers to in Matthew twenty four, the image of the beast. Okay. So I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. The Antichrist is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. As concerning the rest of the beasts, which represent the four kingdoms, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And that's kind of referring to their historical significance. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, beginning mm-hmm. these four kingdoms. Yeah. He had a kingdom for a time until Media Persia destroyed that kingdom and took it over. Okay. Then the Persian kingdom existed for a while. They were conquered by Alexander of Macedon. Okay. And the Greek empire reigned for a while. And then the Greek empire was taken over by the Roman empire. And ultimately from the Roman empire, out of the... you know We say the Roman empire was destroyed in whatever, 600 AD or something... But it really wasn't. It went into mystery form. We've talked about
2: that. Is that Mystery Babylon?
1: Ultimately. Ultimately, it will be, yeah.
2: Which is that the United States? I'm just throwing stuff out there. Well, Mystery Babylon (laughs) itself,
1: the mother of harlots, is Jerusalem, apostate Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah. But the United States is the beast upon which she rides. Wow. It's the fourth kingdom. You know. Okay. And it's really... In the book of Revelation, the same four beasts show up as a single beast. Mm -hmm. And it is that beast that is ultimately the Antichrist. But the beast is a picture of his political power, his kingdoms, his his countries, whatever, his military might. And so the fourth beast is a composite, or excuse me, the final beast is a composite of all the beasts. And it is, in fact, the dragon. It's the red dragon.
2: So would that be... And correct me if I'm way off base. <laughs> I could be derailing the whole podcast, like I do a lot of times. Would that be the United Nations?
1: It's all of it. It's all yeah. the kingdoms of the world currently that are really the the resurging Roman Empire. Yeah. And which, which nation? Is the one will, world government? Yeah. And whichever nation is going to be the the head of that group is has changed over time. It's been the British Empire. It's been the Spanish Empire. It's yeah. been it's been the Dutch. It's been France. It's been the United States for the longest time. And I believe. The US is gonna go down. Yeah. NATO is going down. All of them are part of it. You know, okay. they might be associated with the ten kings of the of the beast, uh, or the ten kings may be ten corporate oligarchs or ten billionaire guys like Bill Gates and whoever, you know.
2: The ones that are building bunkers underground right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> and genetically manipulating us <laughs> yeah.
1: and buying up all the crop land yeah. and whatever. Yeah. So, but ultimately, it culminates in the one king who is the great horn. Yeah. And that's the Antichrist. And his city will be Jerusalem. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. He wants his throne to be where God's throne is. And that's yeah, he wants to be like the most high. Exactly. So Jerusalem ultimately, apostate Jerusalem, I should say, yeah. is the, the great harlot. Okay. You know, but she rides on the back of the beast, of the dragon. Hmm. So the the revised Roman Empire is currently around us right now. It's all of this NATO, and right now we're probably going to be replaced through this BRICS initiative mm-hmm. uh, with uh, which is right now signed on to that. It's like China, Russia, Iran,
2: Brazil, Brazil
1: maybe. There's a few other countries. Yeah. That's and, all
2: monetary though, correct?
1: <clears throat> for now, but there, but when our when the West collapses because it will, yeah, because it's being set up for that by the satanic elites. Mm-hmm. then they will be the new head of the dragon or something like that, hmm. should the Lord tarry. You know. Anyway, back to back to the passage. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So he says, uh, th- that's why I was talking about their lives were prolonged for a season in time, and that's really been the 2,000 years of you know, the dispensation of grace. But he continues in the dream. I saw in the night visions, and behold, and here it is, one like the Son of Man, capital S, just like you were mm-hmm. pointing out, Came with the clouds of heaven. Remember that, how he came, with the clouds. Okay. Okay. And came to the Ancient of Days, capital A, which is probably God the Father. So this is God the Son coming to God the Father. Okay. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him, the Son of Man, dominion and glory and kingdom, a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So you mentioned it's the millennial reign of Christ. You know, yeah. it's, it's the kingdom of heaven, and it is. But that thousand years is not the end of it, see. It's the end of a certain portion of concerning prophecy fulfillment. Yeah. But then we go into the eternity future. You know? I was
2: about to, I guess, say ask, but maybe make, more, make a point on that because I think everyone, not everyone, but people... Think that you have the millennial reign of Christ, right? It's a 1,000 years that we're, we're gonna be on the earth with Christ in his kingdom. Yep. And then what happens after that? Do we all go to different planets? Do we all... Um, but it sounds like the kingdom is here on earth forever. Forever. Right? That's the seat of the kingdom is here on earth. And it's where
1: God's throne will ever be in that city, New Jersey. It doesn't Jerusalem. mean
2: that you don't have jobs on other planets yeah. or in solar systems, but The home base is yeah. here, right? Which this is, is that the crown
1: jewel of the year, which universe. is
2: that city that comes down out of heaven, which is 1200 by 1200, right? I'm getting, or maybe it's 1500, 1500 by, yeah, I'm 12, getting way far out
1: 12,000 cubits, 1500 miles. Yeah, yeah,
2: wow, fascinating. This it is, is stuff you won't hear about in church, folks. This is stuff that people should be talking about, <laughs> exactly.
1: You know? And and even people that rightly divide the word of truth that I've spent so many, many years uh, mm-hmm. associating with, um, that. I would argue know the truth of the gospel, know the scriptures really well, and know how to rightly divide. Reject the very idea that we'll have anything to do with the earth uh, after the rapture.
2: Just believe that we're going to live in heaven.
1: Yeah, in some little hidey hole up there you know, that's uh, far above all heavens. Where Christ is now, but they don't understand, no, he's coming back to the earth and we're coming with him.
2: And we're going to stay here. Well, Well... it's the home base. It's like the I home say. base, yeah.
1: and and we have a place prepared in the city. Yeah, you know, which will come down at the end of the thousand years, but um, you know where we may venture is like we may boldly go where no man's gone before.
2: It's not the wall that they're building in Saudi Arabia. No, it's much bigger than that.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> <Much. laughs> so let's go to the Book of Ezekiel because now that we've got uh, this. Picture this foreshadowing of the title, the name Son of Man. We're going to look at how it's used to refer to the prophet Ezekiel. That 93 times. We're not going to cover all 93 times. Okay. But we're just going to look at a few of the parallels that tie him into Christ. So Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1, is its first usage where Ezekiel is called the Son of Man. Okay. And let's read it. And he said unto me, this is God speaking to Ezekiel. Because chapter 1 sets up the appearance of the Lord who comes down with the, the the wheels and the cherub and all that stuff. We yeah, talked about that. Yeah. And he's on a throne with a sight like an emerald, a sapphire emerald, you know, okay. green. <clears throat> a rainbow, rather. And uh, he's looking up and he sees all this, and God is speaking to him out of his throne through the firmament, which I believe is that frozen sea of glass. Okay. Yeah. So he wow. said unto me, verse 1, son of man, he's addressing Ezekiel, stand upon thy feet, because he passed out. Because when you see God's... Glory, and his angels, you you faint. You just faint. Yeah. yeah. Stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. Almost sounds like everything we were reading in the Song of Moses, doesn't it?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house. I love how he keeps repeating that, you know, in parentheses. (laughs) Yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. So Ezekiel sees the Lord on his throne, and he is addressed by God as the Son of Man. And I believe we see a type of Jesus Christ in Ezekiel the prophet in many ways. But Mm -hmm. here, starting with the fact that he was filled with God's Spirit, because he said, his spirit entered into me, and he was sent to Israel to warn them as a prophet. Mm -hmm. And he even says, they shall know that a prophet had been among them. And clearly, Jesus Christ was a prophet— to warn Israel and signs and wonders were performed by him so that Israel could know that there was a prophet among them and yet for all that they they still made the they joy. rejected him yeah. yeah yeah so we we see in the first <laughs> an, a type of ezekiel the son of man how jesus christ would then claim to be the son of man as the title because he's matching all the types hmm. that god portrayed in ezekiel and we're only going to cover a handful we don't have time to cover them all
2: i think it's interesting how this is capitalized well, because son of man.
1: Because, well, first of all, it's not always capitalized.
2: Okay. I see. I, and the reason I say that is because in the beginning when we were talking, I think I, I mentioned that when it's capitalized, it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. But here I see it capitalized. So obviously I'm wrong in that respect. Well,
1: no, it's not saying... It's not wrong to say that when it's capitalized, it's referring to Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's just that it's not always referring not to Jesus time. Christ. Because the way grammar worked mm-hmm. in the time of translation of the King James Bible, when a quotation, instead of using quotation marks, they began a quotation sentence with a capital letter.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So if I said, and I said unto John, John, please go to the store, then I would put in modern English, and I said unto John, comma, quotation, John, please go to the store. Yeah, yeah. Or I could even say, hey, you go to the store. Or I might address you by some other title. Hey, Knucklehead. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the story. Whatever. But I wouldn't necessarily capitalize Knucklehead or Hey. Yeah. But I would capitalize John because that's your proper name. Mm-hmm. Right? So back in King James's day, they didn't use quotation marks. That hadn't been invented yet. Okay. So the beginning of the quotation was a capital letter. And that's what's happening here. It literally gotcha. says, and he said unto me, comma, instead of a quotation, it's a capital S, son of man.
0: Yep. Okay. I
2: see what you mean. So sometimes
1: he'll say son of man, and it's not a title because throughout this passage that we just read, it's always the statement son of man. But we may read it a few where it's not a capital S because it's somewhere in the middle of the quotation. Okay. All right. That's a little grammar lesson for those of you that need it. It is, but it, I mean, it's clarifying <laughs> because
2: it it doesn't always mean that just because it's capitalized that it refers
1: to Jesus Christ. Right, but it will yeah. in the New Testament. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right. That's clarifying Ezekiel chapter 3 the next usage verse 4 and he said unto me son of man capital s go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them for thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language meaning foreigners yeah but to the house of Israel not to many people of a strange speech and of a an hard language whose words thou canst not understand surely had i sent thee to them the other nations they would have hearkened unto me, or unto thee. Mm -hmm. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Now, here's another fascinating parallel. You know, and imagine being said, John, I'm going to send you to go do this job. Now, they're not going to listen to you, but I want you to go anyway.
2: (laughs) They're going to know that you're a prophet. But they're not going to listen to you,
1: <laughs> and, and they're going to reject you. But they're rejecting me. Yeah, see what I mean? Because you know, are my. And ambassador. I know
2: they're going to reject you because they already rejected <laughs> me,
1: right? Right. This so it's a no-win
2: situation for Ezekiel. It really is.
1: <laughs> but again, it's a it's a foreshadowing. I mean, why bother do that? Because it's a picture. Jesus wasn't sent to another nation or tongue. He was sent unto his own people, Israel. Yeah, <clears throat> and he clearly stated that was. To whom he was sent. In fact, if you go to Matthew chapter fifteen, there's an instance where um, <clears throat> a woman comes up to Jesus and she's not a Jew, mm-hmm. and he won't even talk to her. So mm-hmm. look in Matthew fifteen verse twenty one. This shocks some people that this is in the Bible because the world has this picture of Jesus as this sweet loving namby pamby, and they don't realize no, he had a mission, and he had a purpose, and he stuck to it. Yeah. Now, he showed great compassion and mercy, but he also told the Pharisees they were vipers and serpents, Yeah. you know? So look in verse 21, Matthew 15. Then Jesus went thence, he went out of where he was, and departed unto the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, which is outside of Israel. Today, we call it Lebanon. Okay. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Now... Canaan is that whole region so she could have been from Tyre and Sidon Lebanon mm-hmm. she could have been from Philistia what we would call Palestine mm-hmm. but whatever it was she that the reason she's called that is cuz she's not a Jew yeah she's a woman of Canaan she came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying have mercy on me o lord thou son of david she knows something about him his name is Jesus yeah his father was Joseph to the world his mother was Mary. Mm-hmm. We know his father was God, but as a normal human being, people thought, "Oh, he's the son of Joseph," right? Not know- sure. You would have had to know something about the scriptures to know he was the son of David. Interesting. Okay. So, how did this woman know to call him yeah. the son of David? Yeah. She was learned. She'd either been taught or read herself, if she was learned, the scriptures to know that Messiah would be called the son of David.
2: You don't think that she had heard because the word of him performing miracles had spread around?
1: Might have well been.
2: Because the next statement is that she's asking him to perform a miracle. Exactly.
1: But either way, whether she was seeking him and looking for his coming as the Messiah, the son of David, or whether she had only heard of him because of the miracles, and then somebody told her, yeah, that must be the fulfillment. Mm -hmm. of the scriptures. She knew something. She understood something. Mm -hmm. So she goes to him with this request, just like you said. uh, uh, My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. But notice the next sentence. He answered her not a... Hi,
2: if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about.
1: That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart.
2: To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com.
1: Thanks. Well, come on, Jesus, help her. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she crieth after us. In other words, when he wouldn't talk to her, she said, please, please, would you tell Jesus, the son of David, to Mm -hmm. heal my daughter? And instead of the disciples saying, okay, I'll go see what I can do, they went to Jesus and said, would you get rid of this woman?
2: So here they are walking down the street. Yeah. Jesus and his disciples. Here comes this woman, comes up to them, says, my daughter's got a devil. She's asking for help. He ignores her completely. She went to him directly. She's following them going, I need help, I need help. To the point where the disciples are like, Jesus, get rid of her. She's driving us nuts, right? That's the picture. And why
1: would he do that? That's the picture. So why would he do that? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't he love everybody? Yeah. But look at the last verse. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm -hmm. People miss that. That's why rightly dividing the word of truth is so important, John, because Christians today want to mix it all together. And he has a specific national salvation program offered to Israel that has nothing to do with our salvation today. And everybody wants to put it all together, and they think, oh, I have the signs of the apostles. I can speak in tongues. I can do all the things that Christ said and offered to Israel. And they get it all mixed up. Hmm. So it leads to confusion.
2: So nothing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is which is Jesus' um, time on earth, mm-hmm. Applies to us in the grace dispensation outside of the crucifixion, am I correct?
1: Or anything that he said that would have application?
2: Yeah, like from he, a from a salvation okay. standpoint, because he's right. preaching a message. Whosoever
1: believeth on me shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that's a that's a salvation statement. That's sure. true in yeah. dispensation. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. That, I, you're my, I love you, you're my beloved. Uh, Other sheep I have that are not of this fold in John, he said, uh, the book of John. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Them I must gather and bring with me too. So there's, there's applications to certain things, but they were usually in cryptic form. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But when he was speaking plainly to the, when he, a statement like that is plain. I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Once again, tying Mm it back to Ezekiel the prophet, the son of man, who Jesus, uh, who God said to him, I'm not sending you to any other Gentile nations. I'm only sending you to the nation that can understand you because you speak their language, but even still, they're not going to hear. They're not going to listen, which they didn't with Jesus. And he said, if you love me, you would love him that sent me, which was the Father. Mm -hmm. Back to Ezekiel chapter 3. We'll see another type. Verse 23, then I arose... And went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the, Lord's, of the Lord stood there, as the glory which I saw by the river of Kibar. And I fell on my face, again, when you see the Lord in his glory, you you pass out. Yeah. Then the Spirit entered unto me and set me upon my feet, because it would take God's Spirit for us to be able to stand before him. Mm-hmm. And spake with me and said unto me, Go, shut thyself within thine house, but thou, O son of man... Now there it is, notice... The capital S is not there. Hmm, okay. Because the quotation begins with the word O. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But thou, O son of man, he's still using it as as a reference to the prophet. Behold, they shall put bands upon thee and shall bind thee with them. And thou shalt not go out among them, and I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt be dumb, which means you can't speak. Yeah. And shalt not be to them a reprover you won't be able to reprove them for what they're doing. For they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear. He that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. And over and over again, you hear God telling Ezekiel, Israel is a rebellious house. Yeah. But here we see and type the rejection of Jesus Christ by Israel. Bound by them. You know, uh, platted with a crown of thorns, beaten and, sh- and mm-hmm. smitten uh, with, with the cat-of-nine-tails, you know. They arrested him, and then they cast him out of the garden, and they crucified him. And the Bible says that he, as a sheep dumb before their shearer, he opened not his mouth. Hmm. When he was referring to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, right? So you can see the parallels as well. Yeah. Then go to chapter 4. Verse 1, Thou also son of man... Notice again, it's not a capital S because it's, the punctuation okay. doesn't apply. Take thee a tile and lay it before thee and portray upon it the city, even Jerusalem. So I'm not even sure what a tile would be in Ezekiel's day. We think of a floor tile.
2: Yeah, so that's it, what I was it, thinking, it, like a rock or something that they'd make a flooring with. Like a paving rock.
1: stone. But it, they could have made tile as we understand it yeah. too. Like, yeah. like a, what is it called? Satil. Taught, yeah, 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 something like that. It could have been just a big square or circular mm-hmm. flat slate piece of yeah. of whatever. But it was he says, portray upon it the city. So he's making a little model. And you know, he didn't have Legos, so I'm not sure what he used to build the city of Jerusalem on it. You know, like maybe clay. mud and clay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then he says, and lay siege against it. Now what is siege? It's like that.
2: I mean, I'm thinking like medieval times where you're surrounding like a castle, so it's got to be something like that, right? Yeah, it's an attack. Yeah.
1: It's an attack with an army. So laid siege against it and build a fort against it, Mm -hmm. meaning like you're going to attack, and cast a mount against it, set the camp also against it, the camp would be the armies, and set battering rams against it round about. So in other words, portray on this tile an attack on Jerusalem. You're going to make the city out of clay, and then you're going to build... Armies and ramparts and and uh, battering rams and whatever. Around it's almost it. like a little kid playing with yeah. an army. It's like risk man, right? <laughs> the game risk, yeah, right? Risk. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, um, "And set thy face against it, or, or excuse me. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan, and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city." It's interesting that he said an iron pan as opposed to any other kind of pan, because iron, if you'll recall, was the legs of the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Which and is the then, Roman Empire. Right, right. And then later on he says, Iron is not mixed with miry clay. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. That's another foreshadowing to me of the the Nephilim in the end times. Yeah. You know? But the iron pan, because as we're going to see in a moment, it's a picture of Jesus Christ returning. Uh, Moreover, take unto th- thou, take thou unto thee an iron pan and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city and set thy face against it and it shall be besieged and thou shalt lay siege against it. Besiege means attacked. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie a hundred, and uh, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days. So in other words, for three hundred and ninety years Israel was being uh, had iniquity that Isaiah or Ezekiel will lay at 390 days on his side. Okay. Then he says, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, the 390 days, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. So there's 40 years. So you had 390 and 40, you get 430. Now, does that number sound familiar to you? 430?
2: Um, we'll explore it. I know it does. I yeah. just don't know, I don't know where.
1: <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect you to remember here
2: <laughs> my, This is my simple mind. I'm sitting here going, man, that's a long time to lay on the ground. This guy's got some serious <laughs> bed sores. Oh, seriously. 390 you know, days on one side.
1: Yeah, and then 40 on the other. <laughs> uh, and clearly, God would have had to supernaturally preserve <laughs> him, right? But then he says, Therefore thou shalt set thy face toward the siege of Jerusalem, and thine arm shall be uncovered, and thou shalt prophesy against it, and behold, I will lay bands upon thee, and thou shalt not turn thee from one side to the other till thou hast ended the days of thy siege. In other words, he's going to be bound to the ground so he can't even flip sides. Because <laughs> you know he would have wanted to. <laughs> it
2: sounds terrible.
1: So what is this telling us? Christ is going to return to lay siege to Jerusalem when the armies of the Antichrist surround it, the iron. Okay. Okay. He will deliver his people at that time. Now, the total of 430 days on both of Ezekiel's sides somehow matches the 430 years of Israel being in bondage in Egypt. Okay. And that's how long they were in bondage. That's why that number should sound familiar. If you go to Exodus 12, we'll just read it uh, okay. and look at verse 40. Now, the sojourning of the children of Israel, sojourning is like uh, what you would say of a person who's called a pilgrim. They don't live there. They're just passing through, sojourning, because Israel didn't live in Egypt. That wasn't their land. God gave them the land of Canaan. So now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. Hmm. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt meaning Israel came out of Egypt in the Exodus. It was a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And of course, we're talking about the Feast of Passover. It was Hmm. held the last night Israel spent in Egypt before the Exodus.
2: So Ezekiel had to lay on the ground for 300, or sorry, for 430 days, which represented 430 years, Mm -hmm. which is also the amount of years that Israel was under the control of Egypt.
1: Exactly. So for me, John, that's a type. That's a type. Obviously, Ezekiel is a type of, um, uh, in in laying down, it's a picture of the 430 years. It's a type of that which happened. But the whole time that Israel was in Egypt, they were in bondage. They served as bond servants. Israel itself, God's Israel, is in bondage today. Now, it hasn't been 430 years, but it's a picture of that time. It's okay. been 2,000 years, right,
0: Yeah. as yeah. far as we
1: know. But but it's a picture of that time. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, when God did bring them out of bondage after 430 years, the law was given to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. the law was supposed to bring them to Christ, but they tried to keep it. And hence, it, it developed the entire religious system of the Pharisaical Judaism that rejects Jesus Christ.
2: What do you mean they decided to keep it? Weren't they supposed to keep it?
1: No, I didn't say they decided to keep it. I said the law was given to them, but they rejected Jesus Christ and turned the law into a religious system. Ah, okay. Yeah. okay. If I said decided, I must have misspoke. I'm not sure where where I put that in there. But um, what I was trying to say is, let's go read the passage in Galatians. Maybe I misheard you. (laughs) No, I probably misspoke. uh, And maybe I was, you know, because I do that a lot. Um, But go to Galatians chapter 3 Because what we're going to see is that Jesus is the freedom. He is the one to deliver us from liberty, Mm -hmm. from the bondage of the law, not the law itself, not the religion of Judaism.
0: Okay.
1: The law was given to to keep them as like a schoolmaster until Christ came. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what happens is, remember, they're coming out of Egypt to go where? They're leaving bondage to go into the promised land. Who was given the promised land specifically first? Uh, you mean before the nation of Israel yeah before there was an Israel
2: well it was dwelled by the a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of Rephaim or Nephilim oh, people
1: true but but I said who was given they they occupied it but who did oh. God give it to who did he promise it to
2: I don't
0: know Abraham Okay, okay.
1: So Abraham was told, I'm going to give you this. Name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, a, to your seed. So it ultimately yeah. was Israel. Okay. Okay. But it was the first one who the covenant was made was Abraham.
0: Yeah.
1: And then and then Abraham himself said he looked for a city. He, did, he considered himself a sojourner
0: mm-hmm. in
1: Canaan. He dwelt there. He lived there most of his life, but he didn't consider that his home. Hmm. He looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now, he knew God promised that land to him and to his seed, but he didn't consider that home. Mm-hmm. So I say all that because it's going to bring into context what we're about to read. Okay. Galatians 3, verse 13. Paul writes, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So in other words, the reason Jesus had to be crucified on a tree so he could be made a curse, because he yeah. never sinned. And then why did that happen? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, we didn't receive the promise of the land. That was given to his children, Mm -hmm. to his people. Uh, But we received the promise of the Spirit through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So it didn't come through Israel, and it doesn't come through blessing Israel, and it doesn't come through keeping the law. It comes through Jesus Christ, right? Now, with that thought in mind, Paul says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of the men, though it be but a man's covenant, meaning this promise and this covenant God made with Abraham. Yet if it be confirmed, and it was, God swore by an oath, no greater than him, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. So you can't break the covenant. (laughs) Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, meaning Israel, but as of one, and to thy seed, singular, which is Christ. So when he said the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and he said it was to to thy seed, the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, it was referring to Jesus, not the nation Israel, for the promise Hmm. of the Spirit. Okay. (laughs) That would come through Jesus Christ. We confused that, and people to this day, evangelical Christians think you got to bless Israel because we were promised the blessing of Abraham through Israel. And Paul's telling you, no, that's wrong. This was a rebellious house; they were disobedient, they were stiff-necked, they rejected the seed of Abraham. Hmm. So he says, this covenant that was confirmed before of God, the law given to Moses, yeah, which was four hundred and thirty years after. God made that promise cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, the city, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So we've got to understand that you've got two things going on here. You've got the law <clears throat> was given four hundred thirty years after Israel came out uh, went into bondage because they were in bondage for four hundred thirty years. So you got mm-hmm. a picture of Israel in bondage as they are today. Ezekiel laying on his side. Mm-hmm. And then you got a picture of Christ's deliverance of Israel from bondage, coming the first time, and they rejected him, Yeah, coming the second time with wrath, hmm. and he destroys the armies of the Antichrist. It's amazing to me. Hmm. And he is the Passover lamb, incidentally. The last night they spent in Israel, after the 430 years, they kept the Passover feast. And Jesus Christ is, behold, the Lamb of God. He's the seed of promise, so there's just some amazing stuff in all. Yeah.
0: That.
1: Now back to Ezekiel, this entire ch- a chapter of Ezekiel chapter seven is a picture of the wrath of God poured out on an apostate Israel during the time of Jacob's trouble. It's God's vengeance when the Lord returns. So verse two says, "Also thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God unto the land of Israel: an end, the end is come." upon the four corners of the land. So we could spend uh, all the time in the world looking at all the many, many ways that God pronounced his judgment against Israel throughout Mm -hmm. the book of Ezekiel. But it's ultimately Jesus Christ comes in to bring the vengeance of the Lord when he returns. That's going to be God's vengeance when he returns. It's the end. It's the end. Okay. Okay? And then if you go to chapter 17, another parallel is verse 2. Son of man put forth a riddle and speak a parable into the house of Israel. Now these obvious the connection to Jesus. He spoke in parables. He spoke to Israel in hmm. parables after they accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub. He spoke plainly at first in their language and then when they rejected him that way before they crucified him he began to speak in parables. You know. So Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy warnings not only against Israel, but also against the enemy nations that will be joined to the beast and mm-hmm. his kingdom, Pharaoh and Egypt. I mean, throughout the book of Ezekiel, <clears throat> uh, Ezekiel was told to go prophesy against Pharaoh and Egypt, Babylon, the Ammonites, Moab, Seir, and Edom, and Edom itself, uh, Philistia or Palestina. Yeah. Tyrus or Tyre, Sidon, the false prophets and shepherds of Israel, like the Pharisees and the scribes, mm-hmm. the, the, the serpents, you know, and Gog and his Confederate army, because we find the, the whole story about Gog in Ezekiel 30, yeah. and 38. So throughout the book, the enemies are listed whom the Lord Jesus Christ will destroy. With the brightness of his coming. He is the Son of Man who establishes his kingdom on the earth when he comes back. And all those nations that are going to fight against him with the Antichrist are pronounced judgments against in the book of Ezekiel. Hmm. So the parallels are amazing. Yeah, you know, Like I said, 93 of them. We don't have time. We can spend weeks going through them all. <laughs> so we're going to start to wrap it up by going to Matthew when Jesus begins to refer to himself as the Son of Man. And we now have some background. We now have some history of knowing who the Son of Man actually is in Daniel 7, the one who comes down to receive the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then all the types in the book of Ezekiel, of all the ways Ezekiel's prophecies parallel Jesus Christ and what he fulfilled in his life to the nation Israel and what is yet to be fulfilled when he returns to destroy the enemies of God. Okay. So look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. <laughs> and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus knoweth their thoughts. Why did they think he was blaspheming? Because he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Okay. Yeah, they thought that was yeah. only God yeah. can forgive sins. Yeah. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. I mean, with your semantics. You're squabbling over semantics, you know, which tells me a lot about sickness. You know what do you mean? Well, we think of sickness as a, a germ caused it or whatever. Yeah, you know. But he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. You know what's making yeah. us sick is sin. Yeah. Ultimately. <clears throat> and in many instances, we see Jesus Christ casting out devils and healing people of something, usually mental sickness, mm-hmm. but the other things too, like being deaf and blind or whatever, or just being possessed. And, you know, we have what we call psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And we diagnose a mental health issue of some sort. And we prescribe medication.
2: Because it's a chemical imbalance. Yeah, right? or whatever,
1: right? Or and it's due to trauma, which but is sin. Do we ever consider, could it be demonic influence? Yeah. You know what? We watched last night a series about the, the murder of John Lennon and the guy that killed him, John David Chapman. And he, he literally said he believed he had demons, you know? Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm convinced that that whole thing was set up with monarch and... Uh, MK Ultra mind control. The CIA probably groomed John, Mark, David Chapman to kill John Lennon because John Lennon was a threat to them because he was advocating peace. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and for the same reason they killed Martin Luther King or Gandhi or whoever. Yeah, you know, it's it's a threat to the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and their war machine, the military-industrial complex. You know, but anyway, I'm sidetracking myself.
2: No, but you, I mean, you're bringing up a great point. Is that. And you and I have talked about it before. That how many of the people walking around on the streets and living under bridges that are you see talking to themselves and yelling on the sidewalk are mentally ill or yeah. are they demonically oppressed? Exactly or possessed, and that possession or oppression is due to some sin that they did in their life or some sin that someone maybe a generational. Like we talked about
1: generational curses, yeah.
2: As opposed to what society wants to tell us, which is that, oh, it's a chemical imbalance. They need to take drugs. They need to take antipsychotic drugs. And then
1: the drugs are mind-altering chemicals, which are opening portals to more demonic. Yes. So, It's just something to consider. Again, it's always question the narrative. Question the narrative.
2: I know you don't want to get into it in this ministry, but I'm very fascinated by deliverance ministry as well. I don't know anything about it, so I'm just... A baby trying to learn about it, but Deliverance Ministry is towards people that are demonically oppressed, yeah. and that's we need. I, know I don't even resources. know if it's possible.
1: Yeah, I know some resources. and people yeah. I, I want to have on for that. We need to talk to some people about that. But before we get too far yeah. afield, because we're almost Sorry about to that. the. That's okay. No, I brought <laughs> it up. Uh, but but it, it's it is it, it is fascinating to discuss. Yeah, and I do want to get because I'm the one that said we think about sickness, you know. But here was Jesus healing a man, and he simply said. But that you know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now the point is, he says, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And it's the very second time that Jesus, in Matthew, that Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. It is in connection to his power to forgive sins. So Mm -hmm. when we think about that original expression in the book of Daniel, where he says, I saw until the son of man came to the ancient of days and he given to him a kingdom. It's because he comes with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. His kingdom will be a kingdom of forgiveness, you know, the kingdom of God. And then go to Matthew 10, just for a little bit of clarity. Um,
2: I think it's really interesting in that passage, so I won't try to hold you up too much, but they he says, you're you're forgiven of your sin, right? Right. And of course, they get mad at him. Hey, how, who are you to forgive sins? And he says, What's well, easier to say. Your sins are forgiven, yeah. which is really nothing, right? Because you can't see anything. Or he says, or for me to tell him to stand up and walk. And obviously, they're <laughs> going, oh, yeah. And they he goes, stand up and walk. And the guy stands in there, but he's like, whoa. I mean, he basically called them out, right? He, he called them like... out,
1: the conclusion being, if he stood up and walked, then I forgave his sins, and so did God, because yeah. God healed him. So therefore, it was another sign to show them that they were dealing with the Son of Man Yeah. from Scripture, but they, they wouldn't believe hmm. it. And then in Matthew 10, verse 23, uh, he's warning the disciples whom he sent out with his message to Israel. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another, for verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over... The cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. Now, earlier in the chapter, he said, Go not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, addressing the fact that Christ was only sent to Israel Mm -hmm. in this ministry, in this earthly ministry, and with that message of the kingdom. It wasn't sent to the Gentiles. That came later through Paul. Okay, So he says, You will not have gone over, you will not have preached the gospel of the kingdom in every city in Israel till the Son of Man becomes. The idea It's kind of like when he said, you're going to go, but they're not going to listen to you,
0: mm-hmm, to Ezekiel.
1: Yeah. As he's saying to the 12, you won't even have finished covering the cities of Israel before I return.
0: Wow.
1: Right? And that was an indication that two things, there would be an interruption in the gospel of the kingdom, and there has been for 2,000 yeah. years. And number two, when the Lord comes back, he comes as the Son of Man, mm-hmm. which is going to lead us to the final... Segment
2: which makes me think <clears throat> sorry because you're bringing that back up on the screen, but yeah, makes me ahead. think in their mind if you're an apostle or a disciple, right, oh, and Jesus says that to you, you're thinking this is a short amount of time, right, you're, before he comes back because he's saying. You won't even reach all the cities, how many could that be, right, Right. before the Son of Man returns? So they're thinking, I mean, 10 years, maybe? Maybe,
1: (laughs) on the outset, and as it turns out... Little did they
2: know they were all going to be persecuted and killed.
1: True, and little did they know that an interruption in the program would occur, and the dispensation of grace would be two days, 2,000 years. 2,000
2: years, Yeah. yeah. And
1: that the 70th week of Daniel would be put on hold for that time. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then, so to, to kind of bring this to a conclusion, one more thing concerning his return is, and we've already said it once about when the Lord comes back, it's the millennial reign of Christ,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: So if you look at Matthew 12, verse 1, and we'll read a little bit more this time, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and it's not corn as we understand it, like corn on the cob. Corn is just a generic term for grain.
2: Yeah, it's like maize, right?
1: Well, we what we call maize is not what they had. Okay, it, it could have been wheat, barley, oat. It could okay. have been any grain. Mm-hmm. But the word corn is actually a shortened form of the word kernel, and you can have a kernel of wheat, a kernel of corn, a okay. kernel of grain, whatever. So when they're going through the corn, it, we don't know what grain it was, but they okay. were picking the heads of the wheat of whatever it was and eating it. Okay, you, you can eat corn. Mm-hmm. You can eat grain. You can eat oats. You can sure. eat barley. And so as they were going through the corn and the disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. And by the way, a a chunk of wheat or a chunk of barley or oats is called an ear. Okay. It's the same thing. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day, because they were working Mm -hmm. by harvesting the grain. But he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was hungered? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, the temple, or or the synagogue, excuse me, the the tabernacle. That's the word I want. And did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but they worked hmm They took the sacrifices in, and they did the, the service of the sanctuary. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple, and he's referring to himself. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. So he's calling them out for their hypocrisy. Okay. But then the last sentence is the one I want. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Hmm. And here we see Jesus declare his authority over the Sabbath, which is literally the 1,000-year reign of Christ. That is the day of the Lord. Okay. People want to quibble about which day of the week it is. I don't care. I know what it really is. It's the 1,000-year reign of Christ. Hmm. That is the Sabbath. It is the day of the Lord. And when he returns, he's going to establish that day. Hmm. Because the day with the Lord is as? 1,000 years. You got it. Mm-hmm. So in hmm. closing, John... Next week, we're going to talk about the sign of the Son of Man because we're only scratching the surface of the title itself or, or what all it means. But the most important thing to take away from the title of the Son of Man is that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And that term begotten is important. You know, Again, mm-hmm. I've had people write me letters and say, why do you use the King James Bible? I don't understand it. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing about why I use the King James Bible. Yeah. But one of the words they use is he's the, in John three sixteen, the begotten son of God. Yeah. Now, modern Bibles say the one and only son of God. That's not true. Satan is a son of God. The angels are the sons of God. Adam was a son of God. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. What does begotten mean to you? And you may or may not know, and that's okay. I don't
2: know, but I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it
1: means <laughs> born. Okay. So when you Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, yeah. begotten, yeah. Jacob was begotten of Isaac, meaning he was fathered. Okay. Okay. So literally it means you begat your children. Yeah. By being the father to their mother or mm-hmm. a father to and so that the mother could conceive. They were born human beings. Remember, mm-hmm. we weren't created, only Adam was created, yeah, right? yeah. born of human beings. So begotten Son of God, born of a woman, yet mm-hmm. God was his Father, that he might be born into the human condition, so mm-hmm. that two things, not only could he redeem mankind by his blood, which he couldn't have shed as, a, as God, he had to be a human being to shed blood, mm-hmm. right? Because he's flesh and blood now. Yeah. But also, he can lay claim to the title of the earth as a man.
2: That's the key part, right? And
1: claim to, to the earth. Because God gave men dominion of the earth. Yeah, and yeah. so hence, Jesus Christ returns as the Son of Man, because hmm. he can now legally claim title of the nations. Hmm. And he will rule over them with a rod of iron. So next week, we'll continue exploring the sign of the Son of Man from Matthew twenty four thirty. It says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And Ryan brought up some interesting ideas about that. So we're going to look into those
2: can't wait me too that was very interesting
1: cool well john as always thank you
2: yeah thanks for having me
1: we thank you guys for watching and listening hope that there's been something beneficial to you join us next time for the sign of the son of man until then we pray that you look up for our salvation draws near thank you for listening if you like what you heard Please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.